It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss, a business visionary, and welcome to Toronto's Podcast, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source of the great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. Today we're with James Wu, CEO and founder of Innerspace Technology. James is an experienced startup veteran with a keen understanding of what it takes to develop a team, product, and company from zero to whatever. So, James, as I said, welcome to Canada's podcast. Um, why don't we kick off by you telling us just a little bit about who James Wu is and, and, and you know, uh, uh, where Inner Space is, and then we'll move on to other things. Okay, sure. Well, you know, thanks for inviting me to, uh, to be here today. Uh, so I'm I'm James Wu. I'm the CEO and uh, and one of the founders at Innerspace. Uh, we're a Toronto-based uh, indoor location company, which means for people who don't, the easiest way to understand indoor location is trying to bring to the indoors what GPS has brought to the outdoors. All the experiences and all of the information and all of the the business possibilities that GPS has enabled outdoors. We're we're trying to build for the indoors. So that's the company. Um, me, I am, I wouldn't say a serial entrepreneur, but I am a serial problem solver, serial do-it-myselfer. Um, <laughs> I started, well, I mean, my education was in computer science. I did a, I did a PhD, which I, I think doing a PhD is the kind of thing you only do if you are uh, really motivated to solve problems that other people haven't solved before because yeah, there, yeah. there isn't really great value in doing it otherwise it's not like you're you you, you roll out into a six-figure job mm -hmm. um, so it comes from that same that same kind of personal motivation that drives someone to be an entrepreneur so um, you know solving problems that nobody else has solved and the belief that you can be the person that can solve it um, so I did yeah, that. You know, that that's that's good because you know I'm I you know do you think entrepreneurs wired differently you've met enough of them by now in your, in your life i mean yeah you know versus others you, i mean is there something different about us i mean i'm one as well so you know i don't know if i if they're necessarily wired so differently such that nobody can become an entrepreneur i think at some point people have a light turns on and you recognize like all the all the things that have been done all the companies that have been built somebody recognized that hey i could do that right Mm -hmm. In the same way, like I do a lot of woodworking and I do a lot of, you know, in, in, as downtime, I try, I, I like to just build stuff or fix stuff. And at some point in my life, I recognize like, I can probably do that. I just have to figure out how. Um, mm -hmm. And then you start, you know, doing, you start doing renovations or you start making things. And it, it's the same, making a bowl or making a light is no different than making a company. It's just a matter of sort of scale. Yeah, I, I, you said, I mean, you're of the belief that most entrepreneurs are kind of uh, outcasts from the large corporate system because they ask too many questions. I, I think they're outcasts. They're not necessarily, I, I mean, I- Maybe not outcasts, maybe that's right. I get, I get that, maybe that's the wrong word. I think they don't fit in as well because what works in a large corporate system is you doing the job that you are given and, you know, being, being that cog that you need to be in order for the big machine to work. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not sure that being con confined that way is something that, that, that suits entrepreneurs well. Having said that, I mean, I looked at your background. I mean, you spent a fair amount of time as, as I, you could argue would say 
a cog in a big machine certainly sounds like interesting work. So I think you, you managed to do that. So what made you shift from that and, and say, no, no, I want to do this on my own kind of thing? Yeah, I, I mean, I think most of my most of my professional career has been with relatively small companies and i've had the fortune to spend time in companies where i was given a lot of latitude um and to to really express some of the you know the create the, the the creativity that i have and also get that satisfaction of being able to drive and and, and build things i mean i if i spend a lot of time at kobo which um you know i joined kobo when it was a very very small company we all fit into one room I left it to start Innerspace um, when it was a four or five hundred person company and, and owned by a, a multi-billion dollar uh, global company. So the experience at Kobo was actually one of the one of the defining experiences that I had that made me believe like I can do something like Innerspace because I'd watched that company be built. I had been given the latitude to figure out a lot of the stuff that I needed to figure or they needed me to figure out. Um, and it was, it, was a, it was an educational experience that led me to where I am. So, I mean, what would you say is your real area of expertise? Apart from the business side of it and, and, and you know, the solving problems and, and, and building things. I mean, what's your discipline? You talked about doing a PhD. But, you know, I think we both know that doing a PhD is a particular focus at a particular time because you got into it kind of thing. Yep. But coming out of that, where, where, you know, what's taken you to where you are today? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I'm good at a lot of things. I'm not, I'm not, the one thing I'm, I would say I'm exceptionally good at is being able to focus my attention and become good enough at almost anything. And that as an entrepreneur, somebody who is building a business, you need to be able to do that, right? So, I mean, my, my career has been around product strategy and figuring out what kind of experiences and what kind of products can you build and how do you have to build those products in order for them to be engaging and, and, and sell well. Um, and so that's obviously something that is part of just my character. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, have, I have a knack for it. But um, I think more importantly, when you to go from, from that and doing that for somebody to I'm going to start a business, you, you need to be able to do so many things well enough to get the business off the ground uh, right. to the point where you can hand those functions off to somebody who's actually an expert in them. Okay. Um, and whether it's, you know, figuring out what our product's going to look like or figuring out how you you know, do a financial forecast. Mm -hmm. They're both problems that need to get solved and they're only on you to solve them. So you having that ability to just quickly become good enough at something so that you can do it and move on to the next thing. So, you know, let's move on to the now situation. I mean, here we are, you know, we're in Toronto's podcast. For you, what are the benefits of doing business in Toronto? Um, well, I mean, the I am, I'm Canadian. Um, so the, one of the benefits of doing business in Toronto is I, I like Canada and I like saying yeah, that I'm do. Canadian. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, there are so much attention in the U S there's so much activity in the U S I've spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley and there's a lot of great stuff happening down there. I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss it yeah. in any way. I'm just, it doesn't, it doesn't suit my personality. Um, and, and it doesn't suit my, you know, my, my Canadian pride. Mm -hmm. But I, I think there are a lot of more tangible and probably more practical benefits of being in Toronto. Um, one, 
there's a great source of really smart, really driven um, employees and people to sort of recruit yeah. and bring into your business to to help you do really hard and amazing things, particularly in the tech space. Um, you know, being right between Waterloo and uh, and McGill and University of Toronto, we have a lot. We have a pool of, of amazing engineers that you can draw on. Um, but also Canada has some really amazing programs that help financially, right? Whether it's IRAP or Shred or mm -hmm. yeah. any of those other programs that can help your your limited dollars go further. Um, that's, a, that's a massive advantage of, of building a company in Toronto or in Canada in general. But, you know, Toronto, as far as as far as access to customers, I mean, the other the thing that people always tell you is you should build your business where your customers are. Mm -hmm. um, increasingly, customers are are everywhere, and the internet enables that. But Toronto is kind of the financial center of Canada for the most part, so it makes sense. You know, if someone's listening in Silicon Valley, or Boston, or Virginia, all of which are great places, I mean, I visit them often, and I love them. You know, what would make you recommend Toronto to other entrepreneurs that might be growing? You know, struggling with finding the talent. I mean, we said that's one, definitely one piece of it. But why would they move here versus, you know? Let's let's say Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, Silicon Valley, it's just because the, 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 the contrast is so much more stark between Toronto and Silicon Valley. Toronto has some of the most talented engineers that are being produced today. Um, so, you know, and many of those many of those engineers are being drawn to Silicon Valley because of the tremendous uh, salaries that they can command down there, and I, I think just the general aura and the general um, you know that that feeling of hey, yeah, I've made I it. Got you. But I mean, a salary, an engineer's salary, that same engineer's salary from a business perspective is half here what it is there, which means I can hire twice as many engineers for the same money as I could, I could down there. Um, and that's, you know, especially in early days, that's tremendously important because you don't have a lot of dollars to spend on, on building your product and, and building out the, uh, the roadmap. I think the traffic's about as bad in each place, but that, that's, that's about it. <laughs> well, the weather's a lot better down there too, uh, yeah, but the traffic yeah. is definitely bad in both cases, but, yeah, uh, but it's, I, I think it's a, for, for, in terms of capital efficiency, Toronto is a much better is a much better bet. So, with still with the city in mind, you know some of our best ideas come when we least expect them. Now, how do you disconnect, reach out, get inspired within the GTA? I mean, you're up in new market, so you're really in the, in the GTA like me. I, I mean, inspiration comes where you least expect it, and it comes from the sources of sources that you'd never ever think might be inspiring to you. So whether I'm in Newmarket or, you know, our office is downtown, or if I'm traveling, or if I'm talking to my, my kids or my, my nephews, you never know where, not only do you never know where it's going to come from, but you never really know why that particular experience you had, yeah. the idea that you, that you had, right? Um, so I, I, I think it is really about making sure you lift your head up long enough out of your laptop or out of your research or whatever it is you're really, really focused on mm -hmm. to have those experiences that can, you know, spark the other neurons in your brain that aren't necessarily activated while you're doing yeah. the, your day to day. So thinking about the inner space side of things, what are you most excited about in your business these days? 
I guess I'm most excited about how about you know we're on the cusp of of growth of real growth right. It, the indoor location has been a, a market that's been around for a while, um, and it's it's kind of sputtered. You know, if if you look back five seven years, the first the first go around kind of sputtered um, because nobody could really figure out one technology that could really solve the problems, but two, what are you really going to like? What are the what are the problems that can be solved uh, that that drive value for people indoors? Uh, and there was a lot of talk about, well, you know, retail and you'll, you'll, you'll walk into your store and people will know where you are and they'll push you coupons and things like that. And that was, that's, that's never been a particularly compelling use case to me. It's never been, it clearly was never a particularly compelling use case to most people because it, that never took off. So where we have spent our time, both on the technology side, on the technology side is trying to solve that problem in a way that hasn't been solved before, but on a business development side and on a customer side, really learning about interesting things that can be done with this technology um, that can that can be valuable at scale. And we found that in, you know, for example, uh, public safety and first responder, first responders, right? Mm -hmm was not something that I had even considered uh, as, a, as a target for us, but we've been working with folks uh, in, in, in the US and uh, particularly in the US government who have made us realize like first responders put their lives on the line to, to try and deliver public safety in tremendously challenging situations. And they are hampered with some of the most basic tools on earth, like for the most part, communicating and understanding if you're a fireman and you're or a team of firemen trying to respond to a situation, your, your only link to your outside command and control, your only link to the other, the other first response teams who might also be on site is, is a radio. Um, and hearing that and, and seeing like, well, hold on, we can, what we have can provide this, this real-time visibility into what's going on in the space. It can provide real-time tracking on these, on these uh, first responders to help the, the, the teams coordinate and respond better. Like that's, that's massive. Um, and it's also a really interesting and valuable, not just on a monetary scale, but valuable on a, on a, on a sort of a human scale that, that I had never, certainly never thought of. Um, and it, it just, it has made me realize the opportunities that exist that I haven't even considered yet. What are the top three things on your, on your vision list, bucket list, whatever the heck you want to call it? For for personally or for interstate? Can you separate the two? I mean, they overlap like heck. Yeah, it is hard to separate the two. I try to separate them increasingly because otherwise you you kind of lose yourself a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, certainly for interspace, I am I am bound and determined to 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 see this to see this growth actually happen. You know, where I feel like we are, you know, to use the analogy of starting starting your car on a cold morning, like it's it's just catching and it's it's about to go. So we're and you know that's that's definitely one of them. You know, I think on a on a personal side, I am keen to I'm keen to to start actually being a little bit more um, intentional about about the separation of my of business and you know of business and personal because yeah. it can be it can be particularly if, if you are the personality type to become an entrepreneur it yeah. can become all-encompassing and it can be it can be something that doesn't just consume you but can start to consume like your 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 family and your kids and 
Um, you know, so you, you need to be intentional sometimes with protecting at least a piece of it. Uh, it never, you cannot walk, you can't, you, you can't be nine to five, you can't turn it off, mm-hmm. but you can be, you can recognize that that piece is as important a piece of your life as all of the business pieces as well. And I think sure you can turn it off, but it's really hard. You can turn it off for a period. Okay, you may not turn it off, but you can block it off. If you see yeah. That. It is very, it's very hard. What I found, uh, so over, over the Christmas break, I took, um, I took the opportunity to take one of those, uh, you know, those quick sort of trips to, to Cuba just to get away. And what was interesting was that Cuba doesn't really have great internet coverage. I know that I've got a partner there right now. <laughs> so it, it was very, it was very first of all stressful to to do it and not be able to necessarily get your email and check your Slack and yeah. do those things. But it was also to be forced to just stop okay. was probably good. What's the great greatest challenges you've faced in your business to date that you've learned the most from? I mean, not all not all businesses are like mine. Um, we are venture funded, and we, you know, um, which means we've had to invest very early on in scaling in a technology team in order to solve a deep engineering problem that hasn't been solved before. Um, and so, it's one thing to try and convince a customer that you have that you have a product that can solve their problem, even though. In a lot of cases, in the early days of the market, the customer doesn't even realize that they have that problem and they don't even realize mm-hmm. that there's a technology out there that can solve it. So, you know, that's part of the challenge. But the other, the other part is trying to convince, you know, investors and backers that this is a vision worth backing and that, you know, we're the team that can solve this problem that other people have been trying to solve and been, un- been unable to do. So it's, you know, any business has to convince a customer that their solution is worth paying money for. Um, a venture-backed business has to kind of double that and say, I have to convince investors that our team... You've got, you got two sales fields, basically. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so trying to do both at the same time yeah. is, is, is certainly challenging. But when, when you make it happen, it's also very, very rewarding. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Yeah, um, Put it this way, and I, I think this is advice I give my my 19-year-old daughter. So it's probably it's probably only fair that I would give it to myself as well. Right? You, you turn you turn 18 or you turn 20, and you are told that you're an adult and that you should have figured it all out, and you're no longer a child, and away you go. And I, I think I realize in hindsight that at 18, 20, you are still. I mean, you're not a child, but you're definitely not an adult. Um, you definitely, there's so much more still that you can learn and should learn and you shouldn't, you shouldn't one, beat yourself up for not knowing them, but right. two, you shouldn't, uh, sort of suddenly turn into a, you know, start living the life of a 60 year old or, 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 you know, of a, of a much, much older person, just because that, that term adult is now placed on you. <laughs> you know, I, I, at some point in my career, I um, walked away from, from a role that I had that wasn't, that was just not aligning with who I wanted to be. And I took four months off. And that, those four months, I looked back, I realized those were the first four months that I had taken as a off since um, since my summer of after graduating high school. So it was probably been, you know, at that point it had probably been 15 years. 
just constant, constant, constant. Right. It, it's not that I regret it. It's just that you realize like, well, those are, that's, you don't, you can't get that part of your life back. Um, and so as much as entre being an entrepreneur is about hustling and going and going and, and being really driven and motivated, you you got one life. You got to look around and mm -hmm. enjoy it because yeah. you, you you can't you can't hit rewind. This is this is one of my favorite questions. Actually, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? I receive a lot of really good advice. I think I mean from a professional perspective, and I, I the, the best piece of advice that I ever received, and it was it was less less about. I would say it's less, it was less advice. It was less given in, in the spirit of advice and more given in the spirit of admonishment, but uh, it has, it has Sometimes turned that into, happens. <laughs> yeah, it, it's turned into something that has been very valuable to me. Um, and it was really about the difference between identifying problems has, is, is valuable in, in, to a degree, mm -hmm. but solving those problems and coming up with, just being the guy that says that won't work, that won't work, that won't work, and here's why, is really of a very limited value. Um, being the person that goes, well, you know, I've run into a problem, but here's here's three ways that I see around it. Uh, that is far more valuable because the problem is, the problem is what the problem is. That the, you're not going to get any further with that. So what else can you do? And I right. think that attitude is one of the differences between. You know, somebody who will forever maybe be that, that cog in a business versus somebody who is going to be successful in being an entrepreneur because starting a business and being an entrepreneur is very much like, I forget who described it, who, who said this to me, but it's like having a thousand closed doors in front of you and you're going to, you have to be, success is on the other side of all thousand of those doors right. and you got to figure out how to how to get there and some of the doors are locked and some of the doors are made of concrete some of the doors you can blow right through but you're either getting through them around them bashing them down burning them down whatever it is you have to do or you're not going to be successful so you know the the advice was you know bring it back to your question what's the best piece of advice like it isn't good enough to go well i, I can't be successful there's a thousand doors here to be successful it's like here are five thousand solutions to get around each one of those doors so never stop thinking, kind of. Yeah, there, they never stop believing that the problems are are solvable. Yeah, uh, because right. the second you say this is a problem and I can't figure it out, well then then you're done. So just some what we I term rapid fire questions, just not not as contemplative as the ones we've been doing. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing instead? I'm always very tempted. So you know, on on days of less. Uh, you know, when, when things are a little bit harder, I'm always tempted to stop all of this and be, become a woodworker. You, you, you're pretty passionate about that, right? I really, I enjoy it because it tickles the, the right parts of my, of my brain, but it's with my hands and it's, it's, it's very soothing. What book are you currently reading, listening to? That doesn't, doesn't really matter. Uh, and, and what book or books would you recommend to, to the audience here? I would have to, I mean, I am more of a, an audiobook type person. Let me just see what my last audio, the last audio book that I had going was. I've, I'm in the middle of a podcast series at the moment. So <laughs> the reason I'm a more of an audiobook of, uh, a more of an audiobook person is simply because of the amount of time that it takes. Well, not the, not, not the amount of time it takes to consume a book, but the amount of 
I can multitask while read, reading an audio book. You know, it's funny. I do both. And I have to say, there's nothing wrong with audiobooks, but when I when I read, I find that it sort of sparks much more reaction than the audio one. You, you, uh, it's it's just it's a different experience. Uh, I agree. I yeah, I I agree. I and I it's one of those things I almost miss. I do miss reading actual books, yeah. um, and I even feel inauthentic if you if I've consumed an audio book, right. I feel inauthentic telling somebody I read it. But the, the reality is, uh, I mean, it's not like I, obviously, we, we're all intelligent people, we can read. So yeah. the, 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 the value in a book is in consuming it. But, consuming but listening is, is a, is, has always been a massive deal. So I don't, I don't think audiobooks make all kinds of sense. Okay, moving on. Are you a morning or a night person? Oh, I'm, I am not a morning person. That's interesting. Most just, you know, I would say that uh, of the, the people I've interviewed, you know, 40 or 50 people on Canada's podcast, you're, you're like well, maybe five who said that they're not morning people. I, I mean, it may be because I, I, I'm not sure why it is. I find more inspiration strikes later at night. I find myself able to, as, as the world gets quieter and, and mm -hmm. the house gets quieter, I find myself able to focus a lot more. Uh, and then, you know, morning comes and, and it could be because I've got kids and, and, and a household and commuting yeah, yeah. and all that, where it's just, it's very difficult to, to really focus uh, in the morning. If you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Um, would it be? I think this is, uh, this is not the most positive word, but I, I, I try, I, I believe it's a valuable characteristic for, for certainly for a, a discussion on entrepreneurship. Um, I, I am, I'm very stubborn. And I, I am not stubborn in, I'm not necessarily, I'm not belligerent, or at least I hope I'm not, but I, I am stubborn in, in the beliefs that I hold uh, up until I can be convinced otherwise. And it's not that I'm not open to be convinced. Um, I, think, I think people, successful people and smart people yeah. uh, change their minds a lot, but only as and when they, they see sufficient evidence that their current thinking yeah. was, was either under-informed or just, just outright yeah. wrong. Um, my my word is persistent, which yeah, you know, it's, it's not yeah. quite the same as stubborn, but you, you know, that, that, they're 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 that, definitely adjacent, right? Yeah. Um, it's, what's keeping you? What's keeping you up at night? Uh, keeping well, I think for most for most VC funded uh, founders, what keeps me up at night is is fundraising and runway and figuring yeah. up, figuring out how do you how do you keep how do you keep the the lights on while you uh while you chase after this this vision that you've got uh recognizing that you, you can't pay your team with stubbornness and um you can't capture that vision without your team are there any non-negotiables that have to happen in your daily routine i mean i <laughs> this is a weird one i feel like if if i don't get up and have a really hot shower is the first thing i do Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm, even if I get dressed, brush my teeth and do all that kind of stuff, yeah. I still feel like I'm lounging around in my pajamas. <laughs> I to, uh, I, I've got to do that. Otherwise, the day may as well not count. Here's our final question, which you ask everybody. Uh, so unless you listen to a podcast at the end of it, you didn't hear it. But there's a small tropical island in the middle of the ocean with only one phone booth and no internet. We drop you off there with no technology. At any time, you can use the phone on the island to call the boat to come pick you up. 
how long would you last before making a phone call and what would you do? Uh, well, I mean, let's, let's assume for a second, I'm not, I'm not worried about like my business and or my children. If we assume that I could last a while. I enjoy time on my own a lot. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not somebody who, who needs a lot of social kind of interaction, a lot of people around me all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a loner, but I don't, I don't need it. I, I'm some of my yeah, favorite right. times are to come home to an empty house. Yeah. I know um, what you mean. Exactly. <laughs> so I could, depending on the level of, you know, if there was trees and, and stuff that I could start trying to figure out how to be creative with those things, I could, I could be there a while. So James, that's it for the for for the interview. Thanks. There's some really really good perceptions in there, and I always like to kind of finish this. Where can our listeners find you online? You know, because these things spark things, and people want to interact. You know, I mean, uh, how can how can they get you online? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a much as the same way. I don't need to surround myself with people all the time. I, I'm not hugely active on social media. Um, but I, I'm, I can be reached on Twitter at, at uh, WUJ3888 if people want to ask me a question. Um, and certainly, uh, I, if, if you want to go to innerspace.io, and uh, you can reach me there as well. Well, once again, thanks, James, and thanks, everyone that's listening or viewing. Thanks for having me. Uh, so till next time, it's Phil Bliss. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at CanvasPodcast.com, where you can listen, discover, and engage. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'll see you next time.